Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. I am so excited to welcome this episode's guest. Tu Vong and I connected on social media over the past year. She has impressed me with her focus on newcomer students and their sense of identity and belonging. I can't wait to learn more as we chat about her experiences as a newcomer and her role as an educator on today's episode. Welcome to Hi, Eileen. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Hello, everyone. Oh, I'm so excited. Now, I mentioned how we met, but I really didn't say much about where you are, what you're doing, um, more about your passion. So please introduce yourself to our listeners. For sure. My pleasure. So my name is Tu Vong, and I'm currently a secondary ESL teacher in Ottawa, Ontario. And uh, I returned to the classroom about four years ago, but over the last 20 years or so, I've been in education, both here in Ottawa and overseas. And I think I've shared with you recently, too, that I taught in Seoul, South Korea, for about three Mm -hmm. years. And uh, since then, I've been in various roles, including um, educational assistant, consultant, teacher. And uh, today, I'm happy and grateful to be back in the classroom. That's so awesome. Lots, lots of different roles and lots of different experiences. So the first question that I always ask my guests is if I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So when I hear the word belonging, um, actually two, two words come to mind. And I think for me, it's identity and empathy and how they're so interconnected. Um, the first piece being, you know, identity. Uh, to get to a place where, you know, we truly feel um, that authentic self, where we feel valued, we feel seen, we feel validated. And I think that's directly related to empathy, where we're able to understand each other and uh, value and appreciate other people's perspectives and experiences. And I think in turn, um, that builds trust and connection, which could lead to, you know, further opportunities to, to engage and have conversations and, um, you know, find that comfort zone to share our experiences and our story. So, you know, the, the interconnection being, I guess, empathy being that intentional, explicit sort of outward action, which contributes to our inward experience of uh, belonging and acceptance. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, just the word belonging, the prefix be, um, I think our, one of our earlier connections between you and I on Twitter was the hashtag, the one word for 2022. And I had recently read one of your blog posts, and then I chose the word be as my word for 2022. And it's also, uh, ironically, the last line and the last poem in my book. And, uh, you know, it's really important to me just basically to, you know, be you just don't change who you are and be who you are. Oh, I love and I love that visual about looking and feeling outward with empathy, in order to be able to feel and look inward, 
toward our identity. I love Absolutely. that. That would that's such a great visual. That would be a wonderful graphic uh, somewhere in a quote. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> well, we can we can tag team that on Canva one day. <laughs> That would be wonderful. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So I wanted to get into a bit of your story. Um, You were once a newcomer to Canada and now you teach newcomer students among other students, but that's, that's a focus of yours. I know. How have your reflections about your own past helped you connect with and build stronger relationships with your students? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a process when I think about, you know, where I am today and the space I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in. I mean, obviously I've had to do a lot of internal work, like on myself, work on myself to sort of, I guess, shift that external narrative. So, you know, my experiences as a student, um, you know, it's hard for me to kind of make those connections and because I didn't really see myself in the texts I was reading or uh, the learning space or even the curriculum. Um, but, you know, that's not to say I didn't have any caring teachers. I had a lot of caring teachers who for sure have had such an impact on me. And, uh, you know, but those are those were individual relationships versus being in, you know, within a system. So I think what motivated me to be an educator was the, I guess, the humanness or advocacy piece, you know, something that I've learned from some very compassionate teachers along the way, and who helped me to be successful in a system that was not really set up structurally to like to fully support self-affirming learning spaces and belonging. But those individual relationships is what I remember. And that's, um, you know, part of the motivation in me becoming a teacher today. So that was just, you know, I guess, part one, me being a student in the system. Now, as an educator today within that same system, um, I think it's important for me to create a learning space with the students, you know, and not for the students. Like everything we do should be, you know, around building those trusting relationships where, you know, their stories and lived experiences are shared and valued. And so, you know, for me, um, it's important that they are proactive in the learning so that it's not like they're on the outside looking into the curriculum, but they are the curriculum. So as an educator, it's really important for me to center their identity, center their lived experiences and start with their strengths and come from an asset based context because they bring so many skills and knowledge. Right. And sometimes when we look at it from a deficit point of view of not understanding or knowing the language language or uh, being culturally different or coming from a culturally different experience, uh, we miss the fact that there are strengths or superpowers that our students have that they can use to overcome the things that, um, that they're lacking. Um, For sure. To, to look at it as, uh, as a, an asset-based, uh, a positive-based lens, rather, rather than the, the, you know, they're, they're lacking, they're not able to, because they begin to hear all of that also. I also thought right. it was really interesting that you moved into the advocacy as a teacher, because although you had some individual teachers who really did their best to try to make sure they were inclusive and, and gave you that sense of belonging, it wasn't systemic. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's such a big focus right now is that we really need to look at the system. And so I think you've pinpointed something that is, it is so vital and so important. So right. 
just more specifically, it's sort of as a, a part B of the question I asked, how has your lived experience and your advocacy helped your students? Are there any specific stories or just in general, how have you seen that really? Uh, because sure. you're more intentional about it, I guess. Right, right. And that's where, you know, representation matters, you know, and I think about, you know, having gone through experiences both, you know, as a student and professionally, um, as a racial, a racialized teacher, um, it definitely makes me more reflective and empathetic to students and their stories. And also, like what you had said earlier, not to assume anything, but rather, you know, take the time to pause and sort of build that trust and build that safe environment where they can feel seen and heard and then, you know, comfortable to share their stories. So it's about, you know, creating that space. And so, you know, I think it's important too, because when I was a student and even I think about my first day um, in, in Ontario, we have a program called NTIP, it's called the New Teachers Induction Program. And, uh, and that's for, you know, permanent teachers. And it's a, you know, it's a great initiative. It's a great program to help new teachers, you know, like, like a little bit of a mentorship and get set up. But I do remember vividly, you know, walking into that, that boardroom and I was really excited. And I remember just the first thought going, wow, like I'm the only sort of racialized educator here in this room. And I don't know if that was, you know, at that time that I thought, okay, intentionally, like I would like to create this space, you know, for, for students where they can see like a, a range of ed educators and where their success stories are valued, but also where, you know, their challenges are also highlighted and talked about and where we can embrace those opportunities to, I guess, sit in our discomfort in order to unlearn our biases and learn from others. And, um, you know, recently I've been reading a, a little bit more on Dr. Bishop's work um, and her metaphor in terms of mirrors, windows, and sliding doors. And I think that's really important in terms of the mirrors being, you know, the reflection being able to see ourselves in the learning space, but also windows, you know, it's important to learn about others and their perspectives. And, you know, the end goal, just the sliding glass door where we actually are able to you know, walk in somebody's shoes and, and learn about their perspectives and, and value their experiences as well. Right, yes. Her work is just so uh, pinnacle in terms of the work that we're all doing right now in these spaces. Sure. Keep that in mind because it isn't just looking inward and it isn't just sitting on the information that we have, but it's also being able to go out of our comfort zone and like you said, sort of sit a, sometimes a bit in discomfort, sometimes a mm -hmm. bit with questions, questions mm -hmm. of ourselves and, and our notions of what is normal, what is, you know, what is sort of the status quo. That's um, right. So I think that that's also important. And obviously, you're modeling all of that for your students, uh, both the students who are, you know, who are nationals, who who fit the, the normality, you know, not racialized, mm -hmm. and also for the racialized students or the newcomer students. So I mm -hmm. think, yes, uh, keeping all of that in mind by being inclusive, empathic, and compassionate, and getting to know each and every student's story, which is really, really important. Right, and I think you said it right there, like the model, the, the modeling and being intentional about it. I mean, because we have students who, are, you know, they're listening and they're watching every day. And so, you know, we can only be there for the students in a way that's authentic, 
when we're, we're aware and, and can identify our own biases and make connections with our own lived experiences into that learning space. Absolutely, yes. Um, you shared with me uh, a blog post. I think it was uh, uh, an update of an earlier blog post. And you noted that, uh, speaking of stories, you noted stories can be a starting point for these powerful conversations, those sometimes uncomfortable conversations, mm -hmm. when we wholeheartedly delve into our insecurities and create a collective new space for all aspects of individual stories including those that stir up discomfort. And I'd love for you to explain more about what you meant by this and what you hope the post prompted people to think about. Sure. Um, I think the first part would be the authenticity piece and I'm coming at it from my own experience. So when I was, uh, you know, when I was writing that blog post, I was thinking, well, you know, when we do invite others, are we coming from a place of authenticity, authenticity and sort of readiness to listen to their story? Or do we only really want to hear the positives to sort of make ourselves feel good? You know, and there's, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with successes. It's important to celebrate successes and show that sure. we appreciate and value each other's contributions. But I think it's important that we don't only center on that one aspect of a story, you know, that single story, particularly the aspect that we want to hear. So that's sort of, you know, what it's kind of, you know, that, that tokenism applause, if you will, you know, so um, the authenticity piece being, are we really ready to listen openly and also do the work, which kind of leads into the second part that I was hoping that prompt would, um, you know, spark some reflection would be, again, we've used this word throughout this conversation is intentionality, you know, uh, you know, once we, we do listen to a story, what do we do with it? You know, are we, are we going to seek out and learn from people and take the time to do our own research and reflect on our new learning? You know, I think it's important that we don't expect others to do the work for us, you know, so that reflection piece, that research, talking to people who have those lived experiences and, you know, ask ourselves, you know, how, how have, you know, other people's lived experiences and contributions impacted positive change within a community. You know, what structural changes have taken place to move us forward in a new collective space versus, um, I guess, that notion of us and them, like you're coming into my space. Right. How have they contributed to us um, being better? because we're better together. And also what are, right. <laughs> what are those contributions so that we can celebrate and look at those contributions uh, in a positive way, but also mm -hmm. respect the fact that maybe we weren't so sure about those contributions to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just a, such a, a positive and open-minded way to, to look at those who come into the community um, who you know, even have different perspectives from us, not sure. necessarily even lived experiences who are quite different from us um, and right. have that respect for and listening for understanding. Right, right. And, you know, I, I hesitate to word, to use the word resilience. I mean, it's a very powerful mm -hmm. word, but, you know, as of late, I think it's been a little bit overused in education and there's nothing, like I said, there's nothing uh, 
there's nothing wrong with celebrating and embracing resilience, but you know, is there space for people to talk about the the challenges and even some of the injustices that they've experienced? So you know, the focus on the whole story, and of course, that that's going to lead to you know some possible uncomfortable conversations. But that's the part where I go back to you know authenticity. Are we really ready to learn and listen? And you know, listen right. to listen to learn versus, you know, listen to respond. Yes. Yes. Something that is really lacking sometimes in conversations. I know it's, it's a skill that I needed to learn that I thought I knew. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized early on in my career as a principal from my direct supervisor that I was listening sometimes to respond, especially sure. in, in conversations with parents. And uh, sometimes that derailed those conversations. So I really learned to listen to, to understand and focus on what the person was saying rather than what I wanted to respond. It's, um, it's not For easy sure. sometimes because mm -hmm. we're immediately you know, emotionally involved, especially if they're uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations. So um, that's right. a really, really important point. Yeah. Um, you recently published book. I think it was published in May. Yes, that's right. That's right. Through Edumatch. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Called um, Coming Home. Um, it's really, really interesting. It's um, set up with images and words like short poems, and they describe your, I, I guess you call it your escape or or your mm -hmm. life as you move from Vietnam to to Canada. Um, what was your process? What was your thought process or process for creating Coming Home? And um, I'd love to know more. And I think our listeners would love to know more about um, about the book. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint. I think it's um, like a, a personal project that's been, I guess, percolating um, in the background for a while. But if I were to trace a timeline, then I would say... Uh, about two or two and a half years ago, I had submitted an article on women in educational leadership. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, for that article, I really reflected on stories and why they matter, uh, along with my own, uh, my own experiences, my family's uh, journey, and their immigration experience. So I, I really thought about, you know, my personal and professional experiences. Um, so that so I submitted that article in, uh, I think, I believe January 2020. And then a couple of months later, the pandemic sort of happened. And so I kind of set that aside. And about, I think, eight or nine months into the pandemic, I, I, I just wanted to get back um, into this creative space and spark some of that creativity. And, um, you know, I kept, I kept gravitating towards writing my own journey story. So, you know, and around that time, like eight or nine months into the pandemic, there is also that narrative around um, learning loss. And for me, you know, just to find that balance for myself and my own well-being, I wanted to shift that narrative for myself where, you know, during that pandemic, you know, it really gave me an, an opportunity to look inwardly and reflect on, uh, you know, the women in my life who have had such an impact on me. So for sure, coming home was written at a time when um, I just completed that essay. And so it's, it's framed around the lens of an appreciation for, you know, the strong creative women in my life. And, you know, the base, like from the very first poem, weaving in the very first woman in my life who's been my strength, and that's my mother. 
So, um, you know, the book is basically a collection of poems that I guess capture moments in time and they capture a piece of the immigrant experience and the importance of, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, self-identity, uh, introspection, and just, you know, building those connections. Yeah. Did you, did you have to do a bit of exploring and discovery about the story? Because, you know, sometimes we have our lived experiences and unless our parents talk about what happened, sure. which, you know, in a situation like, like that, often they don't want to remember or they don't feel comfortable sharing with their children. Um, they think it might be upsetting or whatever. So For what sure. kind of work did you have to do to, to uncover some of that story? So, you know, growing up, I mean, my parents would tell me stories. I don't think they told me the whole story. I think part of it was just to protect me as well. Um, <clears throat> but um, I, I, I did have some like, conversations with my family, including my extended family, my cousins, about some mm -hmm. of the events. But I really wanted to preserve how I sort of uh, remembered those stories um, as they were passed along. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they, they change over time as well. And, you know, throughout the book, um, there are three parts to the book, you know, part one being pre-immigration and uh, part two, sort of that uh, cultural disconnect, if you will. And, and part three is the, the coming home piece, right? Coming home to myself and being, you know, comfortable in my own skin and, you know, finding that authentic self, but also a greater gratitude and appreciation for, you know, for family and, a lot of the sacrifices that they've had to make to, to where, you know, to get to where I am today, but, you know, having that gratitude, but also, you know, that boundary where, you know, I'm setting my own, you know, my own track and my own pace in life. Right, right. And then, and then how you use that information and the background and your experience and your personal story to sort mm -hmm. of inform how you go about life, uh, whether it's your professional life in terms of teaching or your personal life in terms of relationships with others. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, really interesting. Is there any part of the book? I, I didn't ask you to read from it. I don't know if you have, you, you want to do that. Um, that's up to you, but is there any part of the book or any particular words that really stand out to you that um, are, you know, sort of reach you personally? I'm, you know, I know it's all the, all your words, um, mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if there's anything that particularly stands out to you or you'd like to read a portion of the book. Well, I don't actually have the book in front of me right now, but in terms of just like moments in time, um, mm -hmm. like the first the first poem, it's it's about my mother. And I find mm -hmm. even um, like when I read it, you know, a second time, a third time, every time I read it, I, I look at it from a different perspective. And wow. so um yeah, and there's just this greater appreciation. I also think about my professional life. Um, so in part three, um, you know, there are poems about, you know, how or why I became a, a teacher today. And, uh, you know, so that's def definitely a nod and a shout out to, you know, the compassionate and caring teachers I've had along the way, as well as some, um, again, because it was, I was written um, around the time of that article, there's a couple poems on um, some very important relationships 
women, the women in my life who've had an impact on me. And uh, I think it just worked in terms of, uh, so the, the illustrator, Alejandro Contreras, it was, uh, you know, it started out again, eight, nine months into the pandemic as a very casual conversation and say, hey, let's just, you know, get into this creative space. I'll write a couple of poems if you want to just do a few illustrations and then, you know, um, and then one thing led to another and uh, yeah, so here we are today. <laughs> I know it's amazing. The illustrations are are so in in some ways you would look at them and say, oh, they're so simple, but they're also very deep. If if you look mm -hmm. at them individually, even without the words, but also um, next to the words that, that right. you have on the printed page. So right. What, There's definitely a lot of symbolism. Like? Well, there's definitely a lot of symbolism there. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, as you're aware with EduMatch, we, um, you know, I got a team, like my focus team together, and I wanted right. like sort of a range of people to get different perspectives, you know. And uh, yeah, so, you know, just to hear everyone's different perspectives and their feedback on the first draft, like something that, you know, uh, like I hadn't seen or even thought about was, uh, you know, it really contributed to the, to the final, to the final draft. And uh, yeah, I, <laughs> it's um, like, like when I think about it, it's just, it's just been a whole, it's been a whirlwind. It happened pretty quickly, but you know, when I, when I went online and I, I researched Edumatch, their, their vision uh, and philosophy totally in was in line. They were totally in line with mine. And I couldn't believe that, uh, it was almost this perfect, this perfect connection, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, as an Adjumatch author myself, it's, um, it's an amazing process. It's an, a, a totally a learning and PD experience. And that focus group that you mentioned is such an advantage. They really, the, right. the people that you choose because you choose them specifically for getting the various points of view. Um, and uh, they're wonderful, you know, other educators who are just so giving of their time to read through the manuscript and kind of give their perspectives. Uh, mm -hmm. I learned so much from each of them because, you know, when you're in the middle of writing something, it's uh, hard to step away from it and see it from the reader's point of view. So that focus right. group is, is so awesome to have. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, go ahead uh, there. So this has been amazing too. I, you know, I'm so excited that we finally got to meet up. You were so busy during the school year <laughs> as everyone was, especially this past year. And then with getting the book out um, by the end of the school year. So <laughs> it's so nice that we're able to finally do this. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or any other advice you'd like to give uh, our listeners uh, before we, we finish up here? Um, well, maybe not so much advice, uh, but a reflection. I actually, you know what, I was, because uh, it's Monday, and I was thinking about posting on Twitter, uh, sort of a Monday motivation. And I, and I came across this quote, if I could just give me a second here. Funny, I wrote it down quickly. Um, I recently got into reading a, um, a couple of articles, and I just started a book by an author uh, whose name is Ocean Vong. And I came across this quote this morning that I wanted to share. And it says, um, when I can say your name and have it mean only your name and not what you left behind. So for me, that quote really captures, I guess, even the essence of our conversation today around belonging and identity. Mm -hmm. 
and empathy, you know, like everyone has a past, but at the heart of it, at the heart of human connection is just living and being in the present and being present with others and, and nurturing those relationships in order to, you know, better understand ourselves, better understand others and whatever connection we make, you know, whether big or small, that we, you know, we come from a place of, you know, intentionality, authenticity, and, and kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. pretty powerful. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. Yes. And um, what I'll do is I'll make sure to include all of the, uh, this in the show notes, certainly the link to your book. And if you want uh, to add the link sure. to Ocean's book also, or just For the sure. quote, um, you can send Absolutely. that to me. For sure. Yes. And then yeah. I want to be sure that people can connect with you. So what are the best places? And of course, the, that will all be included in the show notes also. For sure. So um, I think Twitter would be the best, best place, uh, social media platform to find me. So my Twitter handle is two tu underscore vong v-u-o-n-g um so i'll post a lot of uh, you know what i'm doing in the classroom and and also my own learning and, and networking um but also it's a work in progress right now i'm just i just need to complete the final section which is the educator section on my website uh which is triple w coming home to vong.com and so i've uh sort of titled it for now classroom conversations and um because I think coming home, although it is an it is an identity text, I see being the potential for it to be used in multiple curriculum areas. I mean, the obvious being language arts, but social studies and um, art, and basically, you know, you know, the, the the resource for classroom conversations will be a starting point. But you know, what educators do with that will really depend on again those relationships with the students in front of them basically they can tweak it and tailor it to you know to suit their to suit the learning space and, and the students in front of them oh, so that absolutely. should be completed by the end of july that's the goal <laughs> perfect okay yeah. so the people will be able to jump off the podcast and and hopefully go to it and find out and it's wonderful that it will be a platform for conversations and that that mm-hmm. the book itself um, because of the way it's written is, is really interesting in terms of looking at it through um, a language lens, uh, the use of words, right. uh, the power in the use of words, and also uh, prose versus poetry, if you want to call it that, but just right. uh, it's a, right. a different way to look at how we can express our feelings and express our lived experiences. So I, I think that would be um, a wonderful way. It's mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I still wish I was in the classroom because I think <laughs> there's so many different things that teachers have access to now that, right. that we didn't have access to before. Um, so thank Absolutely. you so much for your contribution to, to all of that. And uh, I look you. forward to, to getting, getting uh, this podcast out there so that people can learn a little bit more about you and hopefully uh, take a look at your website and your book. Thank you so much, Eileen. Thank you for this opportunity and uh, appreciate you reaching out and inviting me on the show. You're welcome. It's, uh, it's been uh, truly a pleasure from my side too. Oh, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and uh, have a wonderful week. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Yep, thank you. you too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, 
Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.